You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Welcome back online. It's so good to be with you this morning. Um, I, I wonder for any of you if you've ever found yourself on a familiar journey coming back home from somewhere and you end up at your front door, key in hand, just going into the lock, turning the lock, and you're not just quite sure how you've got there, but you're back. Autopilot kicked in. You just instinctively knew where you needed to go. It's hardwired into you somehow, and now you're home. We often associate home with family or friends. It's a place you're known, are growing, are highly familiar with, and welcome others into. It's a place that we all need to be able to thrive, a place where we belong and can instinctively make our way back to. Home and family are such themes throughout the Bible. In Paul's letters, which make up so much of the New Testament, He addresses the churches as brothers and sisters, encouraging people to welcome each other in, to be family and confidently know their identity as children of God. So we're going to explore some of that this morning, particularly through some of the stories that Jesus told. Our identity as family, becoming more like Jesus, knowing the home that we're invited into for the sake of ourselves, each other and our community. To know the home that we belong to, we've got to know the family that we're a part of. Um, and recently at our Monday Thursday gathering, I was so moved during worship. I was pretty, pretty broken. The snot was dropping, as is, as we like to say in this family. Um, and we were singing, um, I won't sing it, don't worry. Um, Lord, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy on us. And I was just totally undone by the Lord. And that week, it led me back to in Exodus 25, and God is giving instructions to Moses on the construction of the tabernacle, this huge place of worship there where God's people were to construct. And the mercy seat was a place where God's presence would come and dwell among his people. Only the high priest could enter that space and offer sacrifices to make people right with God. It was a holy space that regular people couldn't enter, but the high priest stood in the gap between God and man. But when Jesus came, his resurrection changed everything. Thank you, Jesus. Later on in Hebrews 4, Jesus is then compared to the high priest, but greater than any who have come before. Jesus offered an even greater sacrifice of his blameless, sinless life to make us right with God and now allow us into that holy, sacred place. Hebrews 4 reads, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who was tempted in every way that we are and yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can now confidently approach God's presence knowing that Jesus knows exactly what it's like to be human and receive undeserved mercy, grace, love and compassion to help us in our time of need. This confidence isn't arrogant or puffed up with self-importance, but humbly and um, just knowing that it's only through Jesus that we're able to access this space and are now called children of God. John, 1 John 3, 1 reads, See how very much the Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. Through Jesus, we've been adopted by God the Father as his children into his family, and if we're all children of God, then we're also all brothers and sisters. 
Whilst Jesus was talking to the crowds in Matthew 12, it says his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he says, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. When it comes to the family that God is building, blood relations are not boundaries for qualifying. And if you were to handpick Jesus' followers, his brothers and sisters, you might not have chosen the rabble that he had around him. They were always tripping over themselves, but they grew and learned together, taking the bad with the ugly, trying out the things of the kingdom, praying for the sick, loving and serving the poor, and sharing the good news of Jesus. So this family that we now know we're in needs a home. And just looking around, it's unlikely that we'll be able to find a house big enough for all of us. I think some of you would really love that. Um, And others of you um, will be glad to know that that's not quite what we're after. Um, But if God is our father and we are to facilitate um, and build his kingdom on earth, surely we can look to his blueprints and floor plans of what we know of the kingdom to know what home looks like for us here. God is described as our shelter, our fortress, our refuge. We find mercy, love, justice, peace and wholeness in the kingdom of God. It's also a place where we can confidently approach God's presence, knowing the goodness and sacrifice of Jesus. And is that somewhere you can instinctively find your way back to? Are you familiar with the embrace of God? Is there a well-worn track of coming into his presence or are you needing to hack back the weeds and lay a path to the home God has for you in him? Perhaps those weeds can grow up and be maybe the lies that we've believed about ourselves or about God. We're not emulating broken structures of home that we might see where there can be shame, abuse, abandonment and pain when it goes wrong. There is a different plan for the home that we're to build. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, God has set eternity in the human heart, and there's a deep longing for home, knowing that there is more to this life. Our hearts can, can ache for this eternal home, and we can also physically create spaces here and now where people can enter and feel loved, welcomed, and we can point back to God as our merciful Father, as the reason that we do any of it. Jesus physically left the comfort of his home to do ministry and called others to do the same. In Mark 10, it reads, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the gospel will fail to receive a hundredfold in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. In this life, we will have hardships and troubles, but there is a new family on earth that we do have access to. For some, you might be called out of your physical home to follow him and facilitate the growth of this family. I don't think you'd need to ask too many people around you um, before finding someone who's felt physically led to move home in response to God's asking. Do you feel like that is on the table with God if he asked you? Have you ever asked him? Maybe that feels extreme, but perhaps assess what is on the table before the Lord. What are you giving him permission to speak into? He's not a bully. He only goes where he's invited. And if that is you, and you have happened to physically move, that might not be the last time he asks you. 
the more of our lives that we offer up to heavenly disruption, the more we can enter into the freedom that God has for us. Knowing the character of the Father and who we are in him is essential for that to go well. So if God feels like a pushy, unkind authority in your life, get into his presence and know that more of the merciful love that he has for you and the gentle and kind way that he straightens our path. If God for you feels like a distant stranger who brings fear and pain, you need to know your loving father who heals and restores. Perhaps your problem doesn't feel like it's with God. Perhaps it's with everybody else. Where can your heart be softened, offences forgiven, relationships healed, and know that we're part of a body that needs each other? When we trip over each other, to know that it's nothing Jesus hasn't seen before, but to do the graft in being a loving family for the sake of your own heart and everyone else's. There are stories that some of you have shared, I heard even a few this week, um, about walking into this space and feeling like you've arrived home, about quickly finding a strong sense of family here and where family gather in the name of and in the presence of the Father to do the stuff, we're home. I believe it's such a gift and a blessing on this church and it's something cultivated. Thought is put into so much of what we do. Um, Paul will often say it that most people probably don't need help parking their car or finding their way into the entrance of the building. But we do this each week for the newcomer. Even before you've left your car or into the building, multiple people have hopefully smiled and waved at you, reassuring you that you are welcome and you are in the right place. Small groups, teams, events, opportunities to serve the city are all ways we get to rub shoulders with each other and be known and make space for others to join in the family too. If you missed any of the previous series on Known to be Grown or even last week's Just Catch Up, I'd just highly encourage you to know what it is like to be part of this family where we rub alongside each other and disciple each other, being known and knowing more of the Lord. Our longing for for home is like our soul's homing device for God. We want to cultivate environments where we can stand in our heavenly identities as children, brothers and sisters, and swing the doors wide to welcome others. Sometimes the physical home that we that we knew as that know as children can highly influence what we believe the family of God to look like. You can carry experiences with you from when you were a child that can affect what you understand as belonging in a family looks like experience can impact the way you build close trusting relationships even did you feel heard and cared for what happened when you made a mistake was it somewhere you were proud of did you have siblings were they people you could lean on and trust I'm not in any way trying to rake up painful experiences, but prompt an awareness that we can carry expectations and experiences of these things into our adult lives, which can stunt our understanding of what family looks like and means we can limit the fullness of what we can offer others and experience ourselves. Things can be different in the kingdom. When you encounter Father God and deal with your stuff, we can find wholeness in him. You have the opportunity to create the sense of home you never had, potentially, for the sake of others. There's an invitation so many times throughout scripture to come home, to turn back to God. Jesus told the story of the prodigal son, where a son claims his inheritance from his wealthy father in Luke 15. Verse 13 reads this, This younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. 
and there he wasted all of his money on wild living. A great famine came and he began to starve. You might be familiar with the story. He ended up working on a farm and eating with the pigs out of hunger. He made the decision to go home and beg his father just to let him be a servant in his household because they were treated so well. Verse 20, whilst he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. We could talk about how the other son was probably very put out. Why was his brother being publicly honoured for returning in shame after squandering his inheritance? But let's look at the father's response. I love um, the speed. I was just struck afresh by the speed that the father welcomed his son who was walking that familiar path up to his home. Quick, the father said to his servants, there was no time to waste in welcoming him back in. He was quick to replace the shame and guilt the son would have been feeling because of his sorry and repentant heart. He was filled, the father was filled with love and compassion because he was desperate for his son to return to him. So many times the Lord pleads for his people to come back into right relationship with him. In Joel 2, now return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. In Hosea 6, come let us return to the Lord. Return to me and I will return to you. Deuteronomy, return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. The invitation really couldn't be much clearer, I think. So what else does this home need? It has to be inviting. In Matthew 22, Jesus tells another story. This one of a king to describe the process of building the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who have been invited to the banquet to tell them to come but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell, them, tell those who have been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fat cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. In Luke's account, it adds, they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The table set out with all of its lavish feast wasn't enough to lure in the guests. People either had excuses or paid no attention to the invite. Because the banquet hall wasn't full, the king wasn't satisfied. The story then thankfully has a second component that reveals a second strategy. Go out to the street corners and the alleys of the town. Go out to the roads and the country lanes so that my house will be full. We need to ensure that we are missional people. If the king with the very best feast struggled to fill the banquet hall, we equally can't get complacent. 
when all of the expected guests couldn't make it. It wasn't game over, or maybe we'll just try another time of day. There was a feast, and it was to be enjoyed. The invite was intended to scoop up people and fill the banquet hall. There was no qualifying criteria, and it might now have included people who were quite different to those who were originally invited. Perhaps they didn't have a field to inspect. We don't change anything about the feast. People should be surprised by the excellent and authenticity of what the church offers, and we should ensure that we're extending the invite to our equivalent country lanes, alleys, and street corners. This was just a story that Jesus told, but it also gives us a top-tip way of knowing how to build community and family through a feast. If you've been around Manchester Vineyard for more than five minutes, which you all have because you've just heard the notices, you'll know that we love to eat together. It's not just a welcome event or um, an information session on us as a vineyard church and what that means. It's a welcome dinner. It's puddings and purpose. Even Alpha, we eat together every week. If you're still looking for a small group, some groups like eat together every single week. It's amazing. Jesus spent so much time with people around a table and used those family moments where people were gathered to bring transformation. His first miracle was at a wedding feast with his mum. He saved the embarrassment of people hosting a party by turning water into wine so that they didn't run out. How kind is that? While feasting, he told stories, healed people of sickness, taught his followers, explained things of the kingdom and what would happen after his death and resurrection. Jesus broke social norms and invited himself over to eat at the homes of notorious sinners. On one occasion, just because Jesus invited himself over for dinner, this guy Zacchaeus chose to give away half of his wealth and pay back all of those he had cheated. During a feast, he allowed a woman to wash his feet. When the host was really unimpressed, he used that moment to teach him what love and forgiveness looks like through those actions. It was when Jesus needed a drink, and I am stretching the definition of feast slightly, that a woman from Samaria learned that Jesus was the one that they'd all been waiting for, the promised saviour who knew details of her life that he could never have known, and then she went back and told her whole town. Jesus created a feast for 5,000 people to enable them to stick around for a giant picnic when they'd gathered to hear what he had to say. Feasting wasn't the refueling time before getting to the good stuff. It was the main event so many times for Jesus. Even when we share the Lord's Supper together, the tiny wafers and thimbles of juice, it's it's such a precious moment. But sharing together a very small meal is levelling. No one gets a bigger wafer or better brand of juice. We are children before the Lord, remembering the gift of mercy that Jesus provided for us to have access to this Father that we share. And that is the family that we welcome people into. What could your feasts look like? Who could you invite? How could you demonstrate the love and freedom that you've been given and lavish such kindness and mercy on others? It can be easy to do this for the people that we love. Think of a dear friend that you love. What would you do if they were in need? You would step in. You wouldn't count the cost. Mercy is part of who we are. It's God's attitude and action towards people in need or distress when we're able to step in beyond what's expected. You don't have to qualify to receive it. It's freely given. We see mercy in the story Jesus told of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. When others had passed by the bruised and beaten man, the Samaritan saw him, 
went to him, bandaged his wounds, put him on a donkey, took him to the inn, stayed with him, paid the innkeeper extra when he left and promised to pay him any extra expenses that this stranger had incurred. Mercy is as simple as medical help, transportation, company, lodging and spending money that you won't be repaid. As a missional church, we are so much more than Sunday family time, but seek to serve our community. And 422 is just one of the ways that we get to do this together. 422 is a building that we have acquired from the council just down the road. We are in the process of refurbishing it and totally transforming it to become a welcoming hub in our community. It's a space where we run programs led by you guys and have other groups hiring space to deliver programs and services to meet immediate needs in our community and build well-being and community in an area that experiences some of the highest levels of poverty in the UK. What I love about 422 is the way that we can show and be family. It's irresistible. And there are just a few um, stories to share of the ways that you're doing this. So one of you gives time in the building each week, time that you could be at work facilitating weekly meals where friendships are grown and people are known. And during these lunches, you host an activity around well-being or information from local professionals on keeping healthy, staying safe, staying well, for example. And you noticed that one person hadn't been coming for a while and you heard that they were struggling to get out of the house because of poor mental health. So you sent them a card and chocolates wishing them well from their family at Manchester Vineyard. You've carried over what you would do for a family member and brought it into the way that we love on our community. In that space, there are people who six months ago couldn't look you in the eye, or anybody in the eye, and now share their life story and call you friends. For others of you, you take time out of your week, time again, you could be working your normal job potentially and load up hundreds of food hundreds of kilos of food from Fair Share, where supermarkets donate their in date waste. And you drive to 42 and you unload hundreds of kilos of food. You then unpack, load up fridges, check dates and run a pantry to help it get to families and individuals who need it the most. You do that so that people can eat well that week. So that people on the poverty line can spend slightly less on their food shop and afford to save to replace their old carpets or throw a birthday party for their kids. How great would it be to always have birthday cakes in stock? kids party bundles with balloons a voucher gift for a parent to choose and buy games party invitations all ready to go can you dream for this stuff throughout lockdown my housemate charlotte and i would regularly pass by a man begging next to our local supermarket near 422 and before the building opened i'd often head in and get um get some things for him um that he'd asked for and stopped for a chat to see how he was doing, see how his housing situation was coming along. And when 422 opened, I could then invite him into the cafe where he could get a free warm lunch from people who had paid it forward. I hadn't seen him for a few months and with no way to contact him, I just assumed that he might have moved on, been moved on or really anything could have happened. And then a few weeks ago, I bumped into him again and heard how he had finally got a place of his own, a bed, a kitchen and a bathroom that he was so proud of. I was able to invite him into the pantry because he now has cupboards and a fridge. And the team that day sent him home with 12 kilos of fresh food, tins and treats to last him the week. As a church family to him, we've also got him a congrats on your new home card and a blanket to brighten up his house. That is family. 
And when I bumped into him again on Friday walking home, we ended the conversation um, and I invited him in again on, on, to come in on Wednesday because I said, we've got something for you. Um, and as I was walking away, he said, love you. In such a, an innocent, sporadic, overflowing, lovely way. This is not about me. This is about what this family has facilitated and enabled that has encountered, that he's encountered love in such a practical way that it now spills over and I think potentially took him by surprise in that moment as well. <laughs> so, um, in March, some of our small groups changed up their normal weekly evening hangout and came to 422 instead. And I think if you'd invited any of those people to come and probably get a bit messy and dirty, um, scrape a floor on their own on a Thursday evening, they'd probably think you were mad. Um, but together, when we get to do this stuff together, it is a different story. A bunch of you were up for not meeting in a warm, comfortable house and got messy as we continued to prepare 422 for so much in our community the time that you gave meant that two basement rooms are ready, the walls freshly painted, the floor was scrubbed, windows cleaned. You've helped to make something beautiful. The NHS youth mental health team now have a base in our community where they can meet with young people struggling with their mental health. It is so great to get to do this stuff together. Loads of you gave your Saturday um, back in March to host a fun day um, in the building. One of you, bless you, stood on the door for that full time. I should have swapped you out, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Counting people in and welcoming them into the space, explaining what was happening in the building and where they can get coffees and face painting, all sorts. And because of the welcome in that place, one lady who was culturally, religiously different, the person on the door said it felt like it was coming home. And that comment has honestly been the reason that I've been mulling over so much of this stuff. It's felt like home because we are family to each other. We build it in that space. We serve each other and our community. And we pray over that space that the Lord opens doors for conversations, that people feel at home and welcomed. That building has beautiful elements to it. And it's also a lot of magnolia and secondhand furniture. The people that we are and the environments that we create in only the way the Lord can makes people feel welcome and at home. And for others of you, it looks like sending parcels and essentials through the Amazon wish list or dropping items off on a Sunday. Period products, for example, can be incredibly expensive and unaffordable essential. And those two words should never go together. Without it, women and girls can be stuck at home. They can miss out on education or work or training because of the shame and practicalities of not being able to afford sanitary items. When you use the resources God has given you and provide those items if you can, it can totally change the game. In order to build trust and a good reputation in our community, we don't host the religious activities that some churches might in a similar building. Part of this is because of the arrangement that we've got with the council to have the building. And this is often a blessing to preserve it as neutral ground in a highly diverse community. But as church family, everything that we do there shows generosity and things of the kingdom. It empowers people. It's generating an atmosphere of goodwill and opens people's um, opens doors to hear people's stories and share our own. And when Jesus features heavily in your story, you're often really sharing his story. And there are those along the way who encounter Jesus in how we love our community. 
we have opportunities and often invitations to pray for people, just as we have on Sunday. We've seen the Lord heal miraculously. And other times, if we haven't seen healing, miraculous healing, people experience family who are willing to stop and listen to the pain that they're in, to feel it with them and want to do something to help. People leave the room often differently to how they walked in because of the love that they've encountered. And then we see it spilling out of people as well. Do people leave the room differently to how they walked in because of you and what you carry? Do they leave having experienced something of the kingdom of God and the love of God that makes them feel more like family? This isn't a pressure thing. You don't actually need to give an answer, but it's an opportunity. Jesus didn't feed and heal people because they would always turn to him after the miracle, but because they were sick and because they were hungry. We do it because we've been changed and for people to experience God's touch in their lives. Jesus did also empower people, reveal who he was, and was very clear that the only way to the Father is through him. 422 is a huge part of what we do as church, but by far it's not the only thing. We have small groups that meet across the city, events, meetings and gatherings. To take people on a journey, we all need to fine-tune our culture, culture of invitation and all be on the case together wherever we are in the week, wherever we're scattered to. There is um, a pastor from a predominantly Muslim country in Africa who shared that in our country, if you come and tell about Christ, you are stoned. If you come to dig a well, the government gives you the land to build a church and protects you from others. And if someone tries to attack you, the government steps in and says, no, these are good people. How great would it be in five years' time to know that less families in our community need access to food banks? How great to see reductions in crime stats with less young people joining gangs, not needing to run drugs because families are thriving and they have a safe space, safe space to come to where people believe in them and champion them. Less children needing to be taken into care to see more people who encounter Jesus when wondering where the kindness they experience comes from. How amazing would it be to have thriving groups for men to get mutual support? What about cleaner streets, better GCSE results, higher birth weights, less heart attacks, cleaner air, new thriving businesses, green space, healthy families, shoes that fit and homes that are warm? Some of you will continue dreaming for those things get scheming and planning and implementing. We want to see more of the kingdom of God in our community so that we get the absolute privilege of pointing back to him for making it all happen. If you hear anything this morning, know that you are part of family, both in the community, on your street, in your workplaces. There will be so many more stories of how you've loved on your communities and carried something different of the kingdom of God. On a Sunday, we pray for one another. We serve on team. We join gatherings and commit to small group. You are deeply invited, again, as Paul said, to come along to the weekend away later this month. Join us on a team at Dreaming the Impossible in the summer and in the wider vineyard family. As we create space again for the Lord to speak, there may be some clear things you feel prompted on. Know that knowing who you are changes everything we don't need to be insecure in our footing as daughters sons brothers and sisters we don't need to hoard the love of God or feel let down we can undo the pain of dysfunctional family and confidently approach the throne of grace 
as we replace what we've believed about ourselves with the truth of who he is. And to wrap up, just to soak in Paul's words at the end of Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Um, I just really feel like God is impressing home on us this morning. And even through the song that we sang, I just want to thank the worship team for just the way that you hear God and the way that you plan. These songs aren't thrown together. People are seeking the Lord throughout the week. And that song, Strangers, we are no longer strangers to your arms. So I just want to... I just want to pray, and should we, should we stand? Is that okay? Father, we, we, just, we welcome your spirit in this place, Lord, and we just, I just pray that you, you would just be touching hearts where, that, where, we, where we need to run home, Lord, where that path is, it has been familiar, or maybe, Lord, it's for the first time that we just need to know that we know who we are in you as Father God, before we can do any of this other stuff, Lord, that over the overflow of your presence and that knowledge of who we are in you, Lord, that we can be family, that we can be brothers and sisters who honour each other and look out for each other, Lord, and create spaces to build that for other people to be welcomed into. Father God, would we know that we are no longer strangers to your arms, Lord, and just be even just be able to picture you, Lord, at the top of that hill whatever it looks like where lord you are running you come running for that embrace father that you are quick to respond lord where we have repentant hearts that you want to replace the shame and guilt lord so lord we we just we just wait on you now father we welcome your spirit thank you for for being in this space lord thank you jesus yeah, let's just take some space to allow this just to land in our hearts. I encourage you to just really stay engaged. Try and kind of block out distraction. Often it really helps just to close your eyes. And let's just, yeah, let's think upon so much of what Naomi shared with us. I pray, Lord, that this will land in our hearts. And the message that you want us to take home this morning will just be impressed upon us powerfully now. I think there's so much that the Lord longs to do among us this morning. I just love that for every individual here, he could be doing something 
so unique. A collective sense of him wanting to, to train us and to bring us more into the, the depths of his heart together. But also individually there are things that he is depositing to each of us. So let's press in for that now. I felt that, um, as Naomi was talking, that for some there is um, like a, an invitation or a calling perhaps to become servants in, in this household. I was also really struck when Naomi was talking about period po- poverty. And I know that's probably not something you're expecting me to talk about in ministry, but, oh, I could have wept. And I think, well, we must be broken. We must be broken and moved by compassion. And I just want to say a really practical thing about that, which, again, you probably won't be expecting me to say in the ministry time. But those that, that struggle, those that suffer, and who go without those sanitary products, what they really need, if you are feeling broken and moved and want to do something about it, what they really need is sanitary towels, not the tampons necessarily because of cultural and religious reasons. They need, sanit- they need towels. Um, and so wherever you might be moved to kind of step into that, um, I just wanted to kind of... Just say that before the moment passes. Also, someone had a word this morning. Um, reflect, I'm going to read it. Reflecting on the marks and scuffs on the floor where chairs and other things have been moved around, there was a sense that there are people who feel that they've laid themselves down for the Lord. And over time, they felt like stuff has just been dragged all over them, church or otherwise. It's left marks, scars, bruises, and perhaps a feeling of disillusionment as to God's intentions, what it means to submit to him, and also a fear around giving of themselves. And they they felt that what God wants to do is bring healing, but also a calling to submit afresh. And absolutely, there there is healing in his wings. The stuff that's gone before does not need to define us. And I want to encourage you to, to go again. So let's make some space now to pray for one another. If you respond to any of what we've said or just anything else, you know you want to be prayed for. Why don't you come out to the front and to the sides? We'll make sure that someone in the life of the church, in a a small group in the life of the church, will will pray for you. And I also sense that there there are people here who are just absolutely buzzing to pray for other people. We were away at the Vineyard Leadership Gathering this week and was struck afresh at how people are just literally just shoving chairs out of the way. They're just running to the front to either be prayed for or to pray for others. And that's what we do when we're in family. We just can't bear to see someone standing on their own. And, and also, we just want to see what Jesus is doing. If you want to see what Jesus is doing and you want to be where he is, come and pray for people. If someone has... Um, a problem with their right elbow in that they can't fully extend and straighten their arm. We would love to pray for you. If that's you, why don't you come out to the front? Jake, the word grandparents, that you feel like that for any reason might cut you off from um, even like just the blessing of being part of this family. And even the vineyard family, I think for some of you, like that's going to really, that's really hit home this morning when we sang like God of our mothers and fathers, would you do it again? That you have... You have a whole new family and where you need to just make today a line in the sand of my family tree now looks different and I'm really grateful for it.
that you would just step into that as well, that, yeah, the Lord would just bring some healing over that. love to make time for this this stuff so um if you'd still like to be prayed for do do let someone know come to the front or grab the person next to you there are people responding to the holy spirit all over the room so if um if you'd like to pray for someone just look to the left look to the right you'll probably see someone who's would be really grateful to to be blessed in this moment Thanks for listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.